Hey there, welcome to SaaS Inbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business a success. And today with me here is Tobias Gunter, four times founder and CEO, speaker and mindfulness teacher, with one of his companies, Tower, being in SaaS Group family since 2021. And it's awesome to have it with us and awesome to have you here. Super excited about this conversation. Thanks for having me, Anna. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Great. Well, uh, um, an intro, you know, a mindfulness teacher, <laughs> CEO, a business founder. So how did you go from one to another? If you could give like a brief background. Yes, sure. That's it's a wild mixture. I I admit that, <laughs> and it's a, a not an everyday mixture. Um, right. I'm, I've been an entrepreneur for I think twenty years now. Yeah, almost twenty years, and I've done a couple of different things entrepreneurial uh, on the entrepreneurial side. So I started in two thousand and four um, with a service business, a classic uh, web design agency, if you will. Did that for six years. Uh, quickly found out, if you count six years as quickly, that I'm not the service type founder. So I noticed that um, and switched to more of the product side of things. That's when I founded Tower, which you know, and which is now a, a happy member of the SaaS Group family. Um, did that for 11 years. So this is the, the rough overview. And where the mindfulness part comes in is with a personal crisis. Um, I, I used to, to meditate or to start meditate when I still was a teenager for, for two years. And then I, I studied, I, well, I went to parties, drank beer and had other things to do, right. Uh, than, than meditating, but 2014, and this is something I, I'm, I'm very open to talk about 2014 in the middle of my entrepreneurial journey. I, I had a burnout, the full Monty with a five, five or six weeks in a rehab center. Um, and, Surprise, surprise, there in the, in the program, meditation was a part of their rehab program. And I, I picked it up again uh, with a promise to never let it go uh, from, from that point on. And I, I promised that and I, I kept that. And I even did that uh, mindfulness teacher um, training. So I'm certified even. Uh, I'm not doing, to, to be honest, I'm not doing many of those trainings if teams come to me and, and they're, they're up for it, if teams want to um, integrate mindfulness into their way of working and being, then I'm very, very happy to, to help. Um, yeah, that's how this wild mixture came about. <laughs> okay. All right. And I guess we, we definitely need to talk about like, avoiding burnout or yeah. uh, maybe not avoiding it, but coping with it. Right. Uh, okay. So, uh, if you're okay with that, let, let's talk about tower a little bit, because, uh, I guess that's, that's first of all, a very interesting business. Second, uh, I really want to know how and why you came to an acquisition, right? What pushed you, what was the, the tipping point when you realized, you know, maybe, maybe I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. So what's tower, how did you build it? And um, who did you do it with? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so I started in 2010, late 2010, um, to to develop it um, because I was scratching, or we were scratching our own itch. We had, if you remember, we had been a, a technical agency for for web web design or web implementation, and it was always the technical part. So. Um, back then, Git version control, a, a core part of software development, became bigger and bigger. And there was, there was actually no graphical user interface making that easier for developers. And I'm, I'm, well, back then I'm half, I was half a developer, if you will, uh, never a full developer. And so for me, a graphical user interface would would have made the thing much, much easier. And there was nothing on the market. So back then, I already knew I wanted to transition into a product away from the service business. So we thought, together with my CTO, Alex, we thought, well, let's move into that direction. And this is when the three of us, you asked, 
uh, who started that. Um, this is Julian, who is who is still uh, part of SaaS Group as uh, right uh, in the marketing function. Uh, there is Alex, who's still on the Tower team as a CTO, and myself when we started developing that idea. So we we really came from a place where we um, scratched our own itch. We had a problem we wanted to solve for ourselves, um, and um, we did that for well almost eleven years to 2010 until well, we, we launched 2011 um, and I saw 2021. You asked yeah. why the acquisition, um, multiple parts uh, for that answer. So one is health reasons for me. I've um, I contracted Lyme disease already a couple of years ago, quite something, well, exotic, if you will. Um, um, and something that I wanted to and had to put more emphasis on and, and, and take care of. So this was one reason for me, a health reason. Uh, and the other is I did it for almost 11 years. So I think it was, it was okay for me to, to seek out a new situation, which, which uh, was a reason for the acquisition. And I've, I've never looked back. I have looked back in, in, I've been sad that I can't work with that wonderful team anymore. This is the one part I really, really dearly miss, but that's that's part of the the deal and the game. Um, and uh, I I think it was a, a good point in time for the team was ready, the product was ready, um, and as we can see um, from from the last two years where I haven't been part of the the team and the company anymore, it's thriving. So uh, it's thriving. So it's everything's good. That's wonderful to see from the outside. All right. Okay, that's uh, that's perfect. Like it, it does sound very like a very smooth tra um, transition for you. But obviously, all the reasons that you mentioned and um, uh, the reminiscing about like working with the team, it couldn't have been uh, too easy, right? And I, I want to um, I want to ask you about that. But I also want to come back a little bit to the point when you said. I wanted to transition from service to product. And that's a, a very common uh, thing, right? That's something that I hear more and more on the podcast too. So what is um, like for all the founders that start maybe with the agency, right? At what point do you understand that maybe, yeah, maybe we need to, I don't know, add a product to this or maybe transition completely like what's the tipping point for that yeah it's, it's such an interesting topic and I, I get to hear that and and talk about that a lot with other founders um first thing i would say is there is rarely a need to transition rarely because mm -hmm. well if, if you have a a broken business a broken service business then then stop it and do something else right but the 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 desire to Transition is always a desire. It's it's rarely a need, actually. So, um, and I don't know, people and founders they they often they have this deep burning itch to do something, to to realize their own vision. I would say, and this is of course easier if you if you have a product and not a service, right? So I think that is the 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 starting point for many. Um, service business owners to to want to have more freedom to realize their own vision, um, and I think so. That... It's not just like uh, making money in your sleeve kind of situation. <laughs> no, some some think that product business works like that, but if you talk to me and other founders who've done a, a product business, you will understand that this is not necessarily the way it goes. It can take a long time, and it might not work ever. So. Um, it's it's not. I I think economic reasons can be part of it, but I think if you're serious about making that transition, it should be an internal motivation. That's the more healthy and the more long term version to to or path to to go actually. And I think the the tricky part is of course making actually making that transition. Because many founders, um, service business founders, get stuck in, in the in-between, actually. So they never fully make it to the product world, to the product land, um, because, well, 
it's they have a full-time business with their service business, right? And uh, as I also have uh, noticed a couple of times in, in my history, we can talk about that too. Um, in those 10 years of, of doing Tower or 11 years of doing Tower, I also tried to do two businesses on the side in air quotes and doing a business again in air quotes on the side is really, really hard. And this is actually what, what, what is asked of founders who want to transition from a service business to a product business. They have to build that product business on the side. And this is very painful, very, very difficult to do. It's very exhausting. And it is hard to pull off, to be honest, because you only have 50, 40, 30% of your time, of your resources, and of your brains, actually. So this is the, the tricky part. How do you structure your current business to make room for that new product business? This is the, the, the complicated thing. And to, yeah, to really put your... Hmm. How can I say that? To really focus on your vision to to make it to that other side of the business. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, um, I I think again, uh, you're absolutely right. Like a lot of founders try to make it while working as a, as a service. Uh, and um, why did you uh, why did you want to to have service on the side of the product then so mm. you know you are making your vision come true you are generating money in your sleep what's not to like <laughs> mm -hmm. why why go back to the service yeah yeah um well i felt that with the health reasons that I mentioned, right? Lyme disease can be a, a pretty nasty uh, story. It can really uh, uh, draw, draw your energy out. Um, the, if you do a full-time business, a full-time product business or a full-time service business, actually, that's, that's a lot as every founder uh, will attest to. Um, and so the, one of the main motivations for the, for the sale, for the acquisition was to have more um, of a relaxed schedule for myself. So this is, and a, and a, a service business, we can talk a little bit about what I'm doing now. I think, uh, uh, listeners don't know, um, what I'm doing at the moment. Um, a service business that's, that might be a potential upside to a service business. And I'm not talking down on service businesses. I, I want to make sure of that. Um, is that you might be a little bit more flexible. You can, you can, I think you can control your, your the intensity actually of that business a little bit easier at least that's that's my um that's my experience uh, um, a product business often uh, demands 120 percent of you and with a service business you can say no to that client and yes to the next client so you're a little bit more flexible in in most cases not true also always but in most cases Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about everything you're doing right now. So what is it? How did you come to it? And uh, is does it have anything to do with Tower or anything you've done previously? Yeah, yeah. I, I can I can deny the or say no to the last <laughs> question already. It's, it's something completely different. Um, where it came from, um, you heard me whining about missing my team. <laughs> yeah. I, I am aware and uh, painfully aware that I had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful group of people around me in, in the tower team. Um, and so one of the, one of the focus areas as a, a founder and a leader has always been to, to build a wonderful team, to build a wonderful company culture. And, uh, today you would say a people first culture, I would, I would say. And this is what I'm doing now as a service business, actually. Um, I'm helping other leaders and founders. It's focused on leaders and founders um, with a masterclass in um, team building and company culture. So I help them build exceptional teams that bring two things together, actually. Um, we want to help them build um, high performance teams on the one side, but in a people first mindset. 
in many founders' minds, these are still two separate ways, right? You can either whip your people to high performance <laughs> or you can hug them to death. But there's, there's rarely um, the combination of these two paths. And we, we this is my co-founder Kai and I, we believe um, strongly that both is possible, that you can have both as a founder. And we don't only believe it, we've, we've done it in our, in our companies. Kai has also built a, a, a huge business in, in his past, 150 people with VC money and, and 10 international um, um, offices worldwide. And still with a people first uh, um, style. So we want to bring that together. And for most um, teams that we consult with, it's also a remote work problem because um, building a connected and successful team in a remote setup is still, uh, well, a, a tricky and a difficult and an exhausting task. And we've both done that a couple of times already. So um, this is an exciting combination, actually. Right. No, I think absolutely. And uh, you've got a momentum here, right? Everyone's moving or everyone's moved remote, right? Uh, and uh, they want to stay that way. But uh, still, for a lot of companies, it's it's not fully remote. It's just, uh, what was the quote? No, um, hybrid, right? Yeah, no, uh, local, local, but disconnected. So <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not really together anymore, but you kind of still want to hang on to the culture, to the schedule that you've had, right? The same Zoom times, the same kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, communication styles. So um, if I may ask, like to spill a bit. <laughs> of um of your structure of your strategy uh that um that you're teaching right so what is the trick to successfully move away from office for good right and maybe uh let's let's maybe take two approaches to this like first how to move your company as management right and second how do i as a person, as a, as a colleague, as an employee, move myself and remove myself from the office, but at the same time, kind of still keep in touch with everyone and move to this asynchronous new setup? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful question. Oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> I think the first thing for that, that, that businesses and founders have a hard time understanding is that there is no such thing as hybrid work environments. And I'll give you a moment to digest that. There is no such thing as hybrid. If one person, as soon as one person is not in the same office with the rest of the team, you are a remote team. Right. Why? Because you need all of the processes, all of the tools, all of the setup, all of the habits, all of the routines, everything must be remote friendly. Right. And this is something that I see a lot of teams struggle with, that they think, well, we have 70 people here in the office and 10 people remotely. So we're, we're a hybrid company or maybe we're a local company with a couple of remote colleagues. And this is doomed to, to, to fail, actually, because those remote people won't have any fun. I can guarantee you that. So this is, I think, the first uh, important mindset switch to make to understand, okay, we are a remote company, which doesn't, which doesn't mean that we have to give up the office or offices. You can stay within your offices. I, I don't want to pull you out of that. That's okay. But understanding what it, that you are a remote company and that you have to build your, your whole structure as a remote company, I think. Um, and you asked me to, to, to spill the secrets a little bit about <laughs> how I believe that this can work. Um, I think um, there are two very, very important um, ingredients in successful um, organizational structures. And this doesn't have to mean remote, but, but there it's, it's, it's even more important. The first is relationships, really human relationships. That's, that's why, where our people first focus comes from. I strongly believe that we need better and stronger and more actually relationships in, in teams. This is, as I said, this is true for 
co-located on-site teams as well as remote teams. But if you're co-located, you have probably an easier time um, building those relationships on the side, right? They're, they're, they're just happening. And they're not happening anymore if you go remote. So you have to have a couple of uh, structures of, well, deliberate ways to build that. I think that's that's the the important part. You have to become much more deliberate, much more intentional about your culture and about relationship building. So this is the the one area I think that that's um, that's very important. The other is communication, and you already mentioned that. I know you you've been working remotely for quite some time, so you're a pro. Yeah. You know that already. But, I think I've uh, never worked on site. Oh, okay, <laughs> maybe like a couple of months in my life. Okay, but you're yeah, <laughs> a remote native. That's that's wonderful yeah. to see. Okay. Um, <laughs> The, the other part is, is communication, as I said, and um, asynchronous communication, of course, is, is the important term here. So how can we decouple ourselves from time zones and from, from having to be in, I don't know, in the office or in the home office? Doesn't, doesn't matter. How can I decouple uh, or uncouple myself from the schedules of everyone else? Because you get a you get a huge gift if you go remote, and that huge gift is that you get to work in your own pace, that you get to work in your own style, that you get more and more um, chances actually chances to work in an undistracted in undistracted way, right? To move away from interruptions. But this is this is only the 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 possibility you get. You have to. Um, to build all the structures, I'm, I'm looking at asynchronous communication here, to make that even possible, right? So this is the big promise that remote work brings. You can work, you can spend much more time in deep work, as Cal Newport, the author, uh, calls it. But you have to structure your company in a way that this is possible. And asynchronous communication is one part of that. Um, Focus and flexibility is, is one module that we teach in our masterclass where we, where we try to hit that balance, that balance between individual flexibility for everyone. This is highly attractive for, um, for remote workers and for every, I think for every clever and, and high potential worker today to be flexible, to live my life uh, and to not to be distracted and interrupted. This is the one thing we optimize for. And the, the other thing is how can we as an organization, as a team, still find time to meet and to discuss and to have brainstorms and, 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 and everything. So how can we find a balance between team time and individual time? And this is, I think, a, a very important topic. Um, it, you could call it organizational time management. And I, I'm fascinated by this topic because if we talk about time management, it's almost always a personal thing, which is, of course, it's, in, it's important how I structure my days to be uh, productive and effective. But I think companies um, too, too rarely think about how they can structure their team's time and their organization's time to become effective and to give people a... Um, a good a good opportunity to work and, and, and be productive. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so, and, and this is the question that is, again, often here on this podcast, um, the argument about asynchronous work, uh, meetings or no meetings. 
Um, and uh, where do you stand here? Meetings are a waste of time. Absolutely shouldn't be happening. Asynchronous it is, you know, if it's, um, if you have to have a meeting, it, it cannot be more than five minute long or have your meetings, you know, be on the same page, have kind of a personal relationship still know how people feel about, uh, the task that they are on. Um, and, uh, it, it doesn't matter that maybe it disrupts your, uh, timing. Yeah. Yeah. A, a good question. I'm, I'm trying not to be an extremist here. Um, the, the, the Buddha says that's, that's my mindfulness uh, training speaking here, <laughs> uh, often speaks of a middle way of a middle path. And I think this is a, a good example for that. Um, I think a good rule of thumb is to, to have as, as often as possible, asynchronous communication. And as often as necessary, synchronous communication. I don't think it's healthy to throw out um, synchronous communication, meetings, real-time meetings, for example, out the window completely. I don't think we're doing us a favor if we do that. And I know uh, successful remote companies like GitLab will probably disagree and say, no, you can do everything fully asynchronously. And yeah, I, I do admit it, it might be possible, but I don't think in, for most companies, I think it's not healthy to go that extreme route, right? So, uh, and to, to be more concrete and to give more of an insight into, into how you can structure that, I think synchronous uh, communication and real-time meetings. Let, let's talk about real-time meetings. This is uh, the biggest group in that in that category. Um, they're they're invaluable for creating um, relationships. You can write your ass off in a team chat as long and as intensely as you want to. You will never be able to create the same level of depth and connection and relationship as you can do with a 5, 10, 15, 30-minute meeting. So meetings, I, I think, are have a bad reputation and partly understandably so, because I think we're not structuring them well in, in every case. Well, we have to optimize them. Yes, I am there. I'm there with you. Uh, but I, don't, I wouldn't throw them out the window completely because they, they, they create relationships and connection between people. Um, but having too many of those and running them badly, <laughs> of course, is, is not the way to go. Right. So I would, I would, I would try to have as few of them as possible and make the remaining real time meetings as valuable and as fantastic as possible for people. So people don't get a, get an itch when they look into their calendar and see they have a real time meeting there. I want to, what I want to have is people saying, okay, I can, I can talk to my colleagues. Wonderful. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. Not 50 times per week, not 40 times per week and not in a, in a bad, in a distracted, in, in a, in a, in a rushed way, but you can, you can make meetings really, really nice and then, and keep them. Of course. All right. Yeah, back to what you said about writing your ass off. Um, <laughs> just yesterday, I was um, I stumbled upon this tweet. Uh, someone saying like, um, I cannot just write, uh, yeah, okay, to somebody because I'm a millennial. I put like a, I give a tone to this, and I kind of think about how the other person will uh, will read that. So sometimes your okay is like, yeah, good job, like. Uh, Sure, but sometimes it's like, oh yeah, you're so stupid. <laughs> so, and I guess yeah, like when you're writing this, like sheets of uh, text, um, it will sound very differently, uh, even to the same person just just reading it at the different times of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, structuring. I think it is, it's a great, great thing, uh, because like just sitting and listening to, uh, like boring data, 
Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the best time spent. So how to structure meetings, mm -hmm. like what to do, like what to put there and what not to put there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's maybe, I think I can, I can add two, um, two things, um, right now. The one is where I won't surprise anybody if I say you need an agenda, right? You need a written down agenda beforehand. Why? Because it helps structure that meeting. It helps people prepare for the topics. If you jump into meetings unprepared all the time, this can really get an ugly drag because you need the first 15 minutes to, to find yourself. And this, this is where, where meetings go off the rails and off the, the timing actually also. So uh, a written agenda where everybody can participate, everybody knows what's there. They can also um, maybe deny the meeting or, or leave the meeting because they see, okay, these are 10 topics in, in that meeting. None of them touches my work. So obviously I'm not needed in that meeting. I can save that time. That's another uh, wonderful uh, side effect of having an agenda. Um, and so this is, this is the one thing, having an agenda beforehand where everybody can, can, can have access, read and write access, actually. This is the one thing. And the other thing is check-ins. And then I know a couple of teams do this already. They do check-ins when they start a meeting. I'll, I'll describe what I mean by check-ins, but before I have to have to read the warning label on the bottle, sure. Um, because uh, many teams know check-ins or at least the the term check-ins, but what they do is quite a little bit different from what we propose and what, how we do check-ins. And this can make really the world of difference, right? So what do I mean by check-ins? Check-ins are actually a, a, a wonderful little device that helps everybody um, say hello, say how they are. And this doesn't have to be grand feelings, right? Just just their current state, how they how they are in this is in this meeting at the moment, and it delivers a couple of benefits that are really invaluable. Um, first. It helps people get um, get a little bit of a distance between their previous meeting or their previous task or whatever they wherever they came from, because if you jump right into the next meeting, your head is certainly still in the last task or in a phone call with a, with a customer or in, in in the last meeting. So we give people a break and and, and let them um, have this little ritual where they can say, "Well, okay." I'm here, um, I am green, I'm yellow, or I'm red. We use uh, traffic lights uh, colors to make that easier. Because if you ask people the question, how are you? You will in 90% of I'm Western fine. answers get, well, I'm fine, thank you, next one. And this is information that, that is not valuable. So we ask people to grade themselves on uh, this traffic lights uh, uh, color uh, um, scheme and this makes it much easier. I'm green means let's go. I'm ready. I'm yellow means well. There's there's been a bad customer call just before, but but I'm okay. We can we can start. And red means I am totally exhausted. Don't count on me in this meeting. I'll I'll, I'll lay flat on my back just so you know. And this is the other uh, wonderful benefit that you get from from these check-ins. If somebody checks in as yellow or as red. I know, okay, there is something for that person. It, there's a little bit of a, a problem here. And if you are maybe a little bit shorter with your answers or a little bit curt or a little bit, mm, I don't know, a little bit more, I don't know, uh, um, uh, hot in your tone, I know where it comes from. I know it's not something that happened here in the meeting probably, but something that you brought into the meeting with you. So I can, I can, I can understand where that comes from. And this is the other big advantage. I understand where you're coming from. And the other, the last um, benefit is that you yourself, if you check yourself in as yellow or as red, you become aware and, and, and people, people are often surprised if I say that you become aware of your own state. And oftentimes you aren't really aware of your own state. You're not really awake to that. And by, by saying that, okay, I'm, I'm yellow. Yeah. Right. Um, because I had a, a difficult conversation with the customer, you become aware of that state and that you are 
responsible for this state, right? So if you bite someone in that meeting, <laughs> you, you, you might... It's on down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you might become aware before you do the biting because, okay, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm taking something. I'm bringing something with me in, into this meeting. So let's be a little bit careful. This is mine. I, I need to be a little bit careful today. And uh, if you do a, a check-in like that, it takes some time to getting used to. And, and whoever introduces that to their teams, founders or leaders, they have to do a good job of introducing that. Because if you just say, well, dear team, today we, we are starting the, the meeting with uh, traffic lights. Um, people will wonder where you came from. Have you been on a leadership seminar? Why? Why are we doing this? What's in it for us? Why are we doing this? And you have to explain the benefits, where it comes from, and why it's not esoteric in any way. There's this really scientifically proven benefits to that. And, and that relaxes people and opens them up to such a, uh, a wacky uh, introduction to meetings. Right. Okay. So, uh, and uh, it, it does sound a little bit like out there. <laughs> I, I've got to be honest, like, because, uh, I don't know, because we're all coming from this, let's do this fast, yeah. right? Let's run the numbers. Let's see who's doing what. And, uh, but like, I'll share my experience here. Uh, when I came to sales group, um, one of the things I was asked to do is to fill out my manual. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh. Do you know where I came from? <laughs> what? <No>. <laughs> you? <laughs> okay. I just came from the tower team. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Okay, <laughs> cool. So thank you for that. And uh, that was funny just for, for a moment. But uh, then I kind of realized it's such a brilliant idea because... And I've never, I've never heard of it before, uh, but it makes it just so much easier. Like, um, and we are also asynchronous, as you know. Uh, so, for example, I live in Istanbul, so I tend to finish earlier than everyone else, right? Uh, but then I also start earlier, right? And um, I know I, I put my working hours and I, I have an understanding of others working hours. So someone can be there at 7 a.m. Germany, right? Uh, and someone can be there at um, 11 p.m. Istanbul, right? So it makes it so much easier. And it's just about like, n not only about times, right? Uh, it makes it so much easier to communicate right and not expect anything that should never be there yeah yeah it, right it, let me give you the the or your audience the one minute introduction to user manuals um, <laughs> <laughs> so they have a, a little bit of an idea people have a little bit of an idea how it works um so we we ask every new member of the team to fill out a short user manual. I, I, some, some people don't like the term because I'm not a device, I'm a human, yeah. but it's, it's humorous, <laughs> right? You can, you can also call it manual to me if that's, if that's, if you like that, if you prefer that, but it's, it's a set of questions, um, that help other people and yourself get to know that person. Right. So classic questions are uh, that you touched on already in, 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 in what you told, um, how do I like to communicate? And this might be time zone relevant, but it might also be um, that you prefer to communicate in the afternoon because you, you like to block your mornings for deep work. All right, good to know. Um, other classics are, and I, I love that, um, I, I always have to show the, the example of my own user manual when I, when I tell that, um, personal quirks. How am I, <laughs> let's say special in a way. And, um, and I give the, of course, I give the example of, of myself. If you read my user manual and, and you see the category of personal quirks, you will see that I wrote, um, I, I sometimes am very quick in, in the business topic, right? I say hello, and then it's, it's business, right? I, I don't waste a lot of time, uh, doing chit chat and people that don't know me might 
think, oh, Toby uh, is in a bad mood or did I do something wrong? Did I, I don't know. Um, but if you read that, if you know that about me, you know, it's, it's, that's just the way I am. It's, it's nothing personal, nothing to do with you. Don't worry. And this is so valuable, especially for people that start working with each other. So if we started working with each other, you and me, I would, I would be so happy to read your user manual because I would get a, an introduction into who Anna is. At least, uh, it's, of course, it's superficial, but it's much, much better than nothing. And I can, I can circumvent all of the, uh, the, the little problems that we would normally stumble upon if we start a collaboration, right? And you can do the same with me and, and understand that if I jump right into business topics, it's, it's nothing to do with you, uh, not in a bad mood. That's just the, the way I work. And, and this, is, this is so wonderful. Yeah, user manuals. If you like, right. we, can, we can put that in the show notes and I give people an, an opportunity to, to download um, uh, the instructions for user manuals. And uh, okay, my, an example from, from, from me, <laughs> you can read about all of Sure, that, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's perfect. Like, like you said, it's way better than nothing. And if it's a small team, like it, yeah, it's okay. Like you're adapting through like immersing into the culture, into the team that that's fine. There are like four of you, so that's okay. That will work. But if there are like hundred of you, then probably not. Okay. Um, so what about if there is a thousand of us? Would that still work? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because like if, I'm in a financial department at McKinsey. There's probably like a thousand people, right? So what do I do then? Is there a way to make it into a deeper connection within a huge team? Oh, what a wonderful question. It's, it's so wonderful because that's, that's often uh, where people are, I don't know, doubtful. Right. So this is often the, the stereotype. Okay. You're, you're working in a startup with 25 people. Of course you can do that. But hey, we're working at, I don't know, fill in the blank for Daimler, Bosch, and I don't know, IBM. Um, and of course it works. Why does it work? Because we're talking about teams. We're rarely talking about organizations. I'm not interested in the 250,000 people view on an organization. The, the human change, the human challenges, the human experience is always bound to the team. And there are no 250,000 people teams, right? There are a lot of teams in that organization. But teams are 4, 10, 25 people maybe. If you have bigger teams than that, well, it's, it's probably rather a department than a team. And this is the good news. Yes, all of these people-first um, ideas and structures and habits, they work in, in any company size. But there's a but, of course. Um, it might take How some... big is the but? <laughs> <laughs> let's see. That's the question. <laughs> I'll unravel it part by part. Um, let's see. Uh, the, the, the big but is that you might have to do some political work, right? It, it might be that not every... Um, habit that I'm recommending here. Not every tool and framework is accepted in that organization, but that's a whole different story. And, and this, this is wildly different in, 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 even in bigger companies, there will be leaders in, in departments where, where there's no problem. Their, their, their direct superior is fine with them doing uh, things a little bit differently as long as the team is high performing and not crumbling apart. Um, and there might be other teams where the direct superior says, well, this is a esoteric bullshit. Don't, don't start with that. Okay. A little bit more difficult. Um, but I'm very hopeful that, um, because of the fact that we're talking about teams, right. And you can, you can, you can always start transforming an organization if you start with the team, right. We're not looking at the whole organization as, as, as a whole, but more of like the team. Okay. All right. Awesome. So I have just, uh, just a couple more questions. And the first one will be, how do I start? Right. I know that 
maybe my transition to remote work wasn't the most successful. What do I introduce? Is it the um, traffic lights? Is it the user manual? Is it something else? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say the first step, because it's, it's so easy and so important at the same time, is to make your meetings better. As we said, don't try to throw out all of the real-time meetings uh, at once. That's, that's not healthy. That's not useful. But try to make them better. One part of that is, yeah, use the traffic light check-in thingy. That's, that's one thing you can do. Um, the other is um, to have agendas. Right? That's what we also talked about. And the third thing would be maybe making sure you don't have too many of those, right? Don't have too many meetings. See if you can uh, reduce the number of meetings a little bit and, and have an open conversation with, with your colleagues. If you're a leader in, a, in, a, in an organization, you don't have to do that alone. You can come with ideas and, and prepare things and, and have some suggestions like the, the things that we talked about and then give that into your team and, and see what resonates and and what might take a little bit longer for, for them to adapt. So this is, I think, is the, is the first idea that I have. And the second is, because it's so easy and so simple, is the, the user manuals. Um, it, it's a nice introduction into uh, people-first way of thinking and into getting, getting to know your colleagues a little bit better. You'd be surprised. Um, how how little people know about each other who've worked with each other for years. They only know their roles and their job descriptions and what tasks this person pushes over over the edge to, to onto my desk. But getting to know the person a little bit at least this this often does wonders. So I think these these two um, improving your meetings with the, the things we talked about. And uh, maybe d dipping your toes into the user manual thing could, could be a nice introduction. Yeah. Right. Okay. Thank you. And uh, the last one will be uh, about companies still pushing people back to the offices, even though, you know, we are happy remote, right? Um, companies that offer remote setups, um, get a lot more applications. They see that there is absolutely no uh, downturn on like revenue or, or shipping the, the features or doing the tasks. Um, how do you see it evolving? Are people going to get to the offices more and more? Or it's, it's like a, this I don't know, unstable ground when people are just so unsure what to do once COVID is gone. So where do you stand? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a, a very clear opinion on that. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain what I mean. But the, the sentence to, to mark up here is uh, remote is the future of work, clearly. What I, I don't mean that we won't have any offices in the future. Again, I, I said that earlier. I don't want to uh, take away the office from from companies and, and, and founders. No way. You, you can stay in your office. But I think um, the, the successful companies of the future understand how remote work works and they offer it to some extent. Why is remote work so important? Because the principles behind it are so important. It's not the fact that somebody works in an office or not in an office. That's a byproduct. And this is, this is great for hiring and having more diverse teams because you have people from Finland and from India and from South America and everywhere. That's wonderful to have that. This is one benefit, but that's not the only one. The, the main benefit is that it... Um, it, it structures your company in a completely different way, in a much more flexible, in a much more robust way. Asynchronous communication is, is one part of that. Uh, um, the, 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 necess the necessity to um, develop a documentation habit is another thing that is highly underestimated and very important for companies. And there's, there's so many things um, you have to become much more intentional and deliberate about building your culture. And guess what? If you become intentional and deliberate about your culture, you'll build a better one, of course, 
right? And all of these things give such an interesting and important mix um, for remote work um, that I'm really, really um, sure that this is the future of work. And again, it's not about office or not off, not in the office. It's about understanding the principles behind it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it is it is great. I think uh, absolutely uh, remote work is is something that people want. Uh, but I I, I can't. Um, help myself not remember how it was uh taken with the first wave of covid when everyone was like no way i'm working from home like there are kids there are you know spouses there is uh you know my dishwasher running uh so many distractions so yeah uh it's great to see like how this is shifting yeah that's i think that that's an interesting point I think um, remote work had a had a really really ugly and bad start for many people, because the the scenario you just painted is is perfect illustrates this perfectly. Because if I'm thrown back into my home office in air quotes, um, that that was never meant to be an office because it was meant to to live here to prepare breakfast and dinner. And if you have two or three children running around your kitchen table and you have to work on that kitchen table and share it with the whole family, you have a chair that ruins your back. This is not, this is not a fair competition between the office and, and remote work. So I think this is, this is often forgotten by people who say remote work doesn't, doesn't work for them. Did you give remote work a fair, a fighting chance? And this, of course, means having a, a, a healthy personal work environment. It all starts there. And often people don't see that. If you're living in a, in a flat that was never meant to accommodate you in a, in a professional, in a work environment sense, then, well, of course, remote work will be sh a shitty experience for you. So this is, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is often the misunderstanding. If this is how remote work is, okay, I don't want to spend a second day in, in, in that environment. Of course, we have to start there with a healthy work environment. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm super glad that uh, you're also coming to our internal event at SaaS Group because there is still a ton, I think, uh, to learn there. And I have... What a few questions. So <laughs> looking forward. <laughs> Ex expect me to blab through <laughs> through the, through that meeting. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for for doing this. It's been an amazing conversation. I think a lot of insights are there, a lot of new angles to look at it. So thank you so much for doing this. And um, yeah, excited to to have you on. Um, on our own event. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, and take care. You too. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders, and if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.